are. Uh, I'm in Duluth, Minnesota, Duluth Creative Company, and my special guest is Michael Lee, the founder of Phoenix Rising Yoga Therapy School. I am a student of Phoenix Rising, and Michael has become my life mentor in throughout the process of attending. It is one of the most exquisite forms of therapy that I've come across in my life. It takes into account the holistic being. So it takes into account how wise the human is, gives effort, validation, sound to that. Um, as a practitioner myself, I get to see the power of it very regularly. And this is why I wanted to welcome Michael as a part of the podcast to kind of give us a bigger picture of, I believe it's been almost 40 years in existence, and just how it, you know, came to be. Like, um, how did you come up with this philosophy of knowing the wisdom of the human body and then allowing yourself to be and, and observe and walk with people through their healing journey. Great. Well, thank you, Katie. First of all, I just want to really thank you for having me as a guest on your show. I'm really honored. Uh, you mentioned uh, as your life mentor, I see you flourishing now, and that is just so beautiful to see. So it's, it's an honor and also uh, a validation. So thank you so much. And I, I really love what you're doing, what you're taking to the world through this medium. And in a way, it ties into my story because uh, it very, it's, it's very similar in origin. Uh, basically, I knew that there was something calling me. I didn't know what it was, but I knew I needed to explore further to find out. Uh, so I left my homeland, Australia, and came to the United States in 1984 uh, on a quest to find out more about how uh, yoga could actually change people. I'd been a student of change. Like, how do people actually change? How do we change, you know? And it seems like a lot of us don't really change. I mean, we get more aware, but then we go on through life apologizing for the same old, same old that we keep doing over again. And really, we have a better game to live, or a better life to step up to. Uh, but change is difficult. And, and I found, I, I discovered through my own practice of yoga that it really did have that impact. In fact, it was reaffirmed by my daughter at that time. She said, Dad, when you do that practice, you're not so grumpy. And she was right, you know. Uh, so it was a big validation of, of what I was doing. So I came to find out more. And then in the course of living in an ashram for two years and practicing daily, and um, I was actually writing a thesis on uh, while I was there. That was my excuse for taking a year off. As to do a, do a further study into so it was something like the impact of yoga to, or the effect of yoga to change lifestyle. And um, so I was living the yogic lifestyle and engaging the practices every day and uh, uh, writing about it. And uh, one of the things that, I, that happened was I had some very deep experiences. And these deep experiences really had me step back, take a look at my life, and really start to get in touch with a level of truth and authenticity that I hadn't experienced before. Uh, and so it wasn't really something that I sat down and figured out or came up with a philosophy. It was really just engaging uh, in my body. And I think the thing that I, most, I learned most profoundly from that is that the body is an incredible catalyst for transformation. Like if, and it's an incredible uh, vehicle for awareness. 
So if you can engage life through your body more uh, or engage in yoga therapy as, as I was and practices uh, as I was and you, you've done, uh, then that really uh, is, is a different way of working, a different, a different lens through which to experience yourself. And oftentimes we're in our head thinking and that's the only lens we use. And it's not a very reliable one because it's all often in the past and the future. Whereas the body is always in the present. And the other thing about the body is it never tells a lie. So it's like, it's just such a good vehicle. And so I found that, I discovered that in 1984, 85. And by 1986, I was ready to do this work. I wanted to take it to other people and share it. Um, and so I came up with Phoenix Rising Yoga Therapy. I, uh, you know, it's been developing ongoingly, uh, but pretty much the basic, the basic core tenets of it haven't changed. It's still the same, same basic core principles that were there back in 1984. It's just that we found ways to adapt and use it in the modern world that, that kind of work better as we've gone through. Uh, so here we are today, 40 years later, and uh, it's still a piece of work that has a lot of impact and really helps a lot of people you know, live their best self, which is work that I love to do. Thank you. Yeah. And can we talk about <clears throat> like visiting the edge or something that isn't so comfortable in the human and sometimes that's where we ah. <laughs> get to get to the juice or get to, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah, the, one, of the, uh, one of the phases of the, the Phoenix Rising method, there's six phases really to it, but the second one is the edge. Uh, and once we're able to become present to our bodies, uh, it's often very helpful to either engage the body in some way where we, we come to what we call a physical edge. And that edge is not too much, not too little. So it's like if you go into a stretch and you don't want to push in and try to power your way through it, at the same time, you don't want to hang back in a place of not really there yet. So it's about, uh, with the support of a yoga therapist, coming to that place with a little bit of discomfort uh, that's tolerable, right? Um, but it's not too much, and you can hang out there, right? You can hang out there if your mind doesn't pull you away, right? Because oftentimes, you know, we, we'll, uh, we have a society that's very addicted to getting rid of any discomfort at all costs. You know, we take aspirin if we get a headache. We, we do all kinds of things to minimize and alleviate and avoid discomfort, right? And, and I think in some ways we do ourselves a disservice by doing that because it's when there's a little bit of discomfort that we get a much clearer focus and we can be more present. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a really helpful tool, I think, to, to come to that edge, the physical edge. And that then helps us to deal with the edges in life better. So when someone insults us, for example, we don't just react or run away. We're able to just be there and, and, and feel the discomfort of the insult, but then respond in a helpful or meaningful way rather than in an unhelpful, more destructive way. And I think a lot of the conflict we have in our world today is because of our low tolerance for a little bit of discomfort. You know, we, we want to fix things. We want to get to the quick answer. We want to eliminate the suffering, eliminate the pain right now. And oftentimes there's a need to really be present to what's happening, be present to our discomfort, be present to our not so pleasant feelings and let them teach us. You know, I found, I think some of the greatest lessons that I've had in my life 
have been when I've been able to be present to discomfort and let it teach me, particularly with feelings. You know, that's a little different than physical sensation. But, you know, like a feeling of grief, for example. Um, and there's a, there's a common term that I've heard among some therapists where they call, call, it, call certain forms of grief honey grief. And it's honey grief because the grief actually teaches you to value the things in life that are important. And so you can actually have a life-transforming experience if you can really be present to your grief at the times you're grieving. And it's hard to do. I'm not saying it's easy. But of course, the yoga therapy work and using the body as a vehicle as well can really help that process. And how, what are some cues to become present in the human body? Like how does one go from heady to, to the wholeness, to the holistic being? I'm not quite sure I get what you're asking, Katie. Um, how, how does one... Like, how does one become present or how, like a practice oh, of presence? Okay, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. Yeah, the, um, being fully present in the moment is, is again, a, uh, for many people is difficult because we're conditioned from early on to spend a lot of time in our thinking mind. It's actually harder for people, people who have a sharp mind have, have more difficulty with it. You know, people who are kind of uh, really good, quick thinkers Uh, they, they rely on that so much. That's how they navigate life, you know. And so it's really hard to actually pause and be present to what's really happening and not only see it, but also feel it through the body. It's a way of presencing, you know. And, and, and I often say the best listeners are people who do what I call full body listening. They're people that don't just listen with their ears, but they're sensitive enough to pick up cues from the other person through their physical body. They can feel the feelings. They can feel the pain. They can feel the joy. They can, they can actually sense all of that if they're really, really present. And, that, and, and we are connected, believe it or not. You know, uh, and, and, and we can really connect at, with people at another level than just v words and thinking. Yeah. And so, but learning how to do that takes, takes a little time, takes some practice, uh, which is, you know, it comes back to the whole thing of practice. Like if we want to live uh, a full and authentic life and use our body as a vehicle for supporting that, then we have to engage our body. We have to, we have to be, be present to it. Um, and we have to do the kinds of practices that support that. You know, the whole practice of meditation, um, When it was first, uh, you know, the, the original, uh, when the Buddha actually uh, began to teach meditation, he taught that the body was the most important thing. Uh, presencing and mindful, mindfulness of the body, the first practice, right? So it's just an incredible tool that uh, often gets overlooked. But in order to use it as a tool, we have to, like, we have to get to know it. Uh, same as if you're a carpenter, you use a hammer, you got to get to know it, you know? Yeah. Get to know your body. Yeah. You yeah. have to be present to it. You have to give it some room to be here. Uh, pay attention to it occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. And all of the practices that support that, things like meditation, things like walk, walking in nature is great. Um, you know, spending time outside, referencing, referencing other sources 
coming in through your body, refer refer referencing sensory material and input from other, other places than just, uh, just thoughts coming and going. Cognition, yeah. And in, this, in these times, it's a very interesting time to be alive and to be human. There's a lot occurring within the macro and the micro and just a very curious, you know, just curious on how it, how it all works together, how we're all connected. Um, and something with like the visceralness of the body and what I've learned through Phoenix Rising is it is in like the subtleties. It is in the like smaller day-to-day um, -day practice and how we live, like how we live a day or how we set up rituals and that can help the body to to have a cadence or to have <clears throat> an understanding what may be coming. And so just maybe some insight on like daily rituals or how to treat the body through yeah. through a day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I'm a big believer in daily rituals, you know, like yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and and simple things, you know, they don't it doesn't have to be complicated. Uh, like I don't want to start my day until I've done some kind of connecting to my body. You know, that can be as simple as standing, standing, in a, a, a standing and breathing and moving my arms for five minutes, right? Uh, or it can be going for a three-mile walk, which I do many, many mornings, right? Um, or it can be, you know... Um, some of, some of my friends do they do a cold plunge in the morning you know they go into a into a cold cold water uh, that's another one or walking in nature going for an, you know a hike where there's you know uh, wildlife and things like that that can that can do it um, yoga is a great practice and and then taking a half hour doing a, a, a yoga practice meditating is good too but I always like to move before I meditate I meditate every day but I move before I meditate because I find that I meditate much better after I've moved my body. You know? And I think if, if people try that, that's something you can try it out, see, see what happens for you. But um, I, I've, I found over the last, particularly after the last 10 years, when I discovered it about 10 years ago, uh, that moving my body first before meditating made a difference. And uh, I'd highly recommend that, yeah. Um, so there's there some of the things that you can do to connect. And then once you've connected with your body, your whole day just seems to go better because you're more present, you're more here, uh, you're more connected, and you're less likely to be thrown off your, off your equanimity, off your balance by something that comes at you. You know, you're more, you're more resilient, you're stronger. Uh, you have a capacity to, to contain whatever, whatever life happens to present to you. Mm -hmm. Yep, beautiful. Like settle into your body before you settle into the, or like simultaneously to settle into the day, because then the body will settle into the day. Yep. Yeah. And, and personally, I like to take, a, you know, around an hour, but I know, I know that a lot of people don't have that. Uh, so I'm also, one of the things I'm doing more recently is developing uh, shorter practices for people. I'm going to be offering something in the new year where it's like a, a five-day practice and people can just... Uh, 
uh, sign up and take a uh, take a five day practice, which can be done on a rotating basis for a month, right? So you do these five f five different practices each day for five days, and then you repeat the next week, the next week, and the next week for four weeks. And at the end of that four weeks, you do an evaluation, like how's this how's this been? What's it done? And it only takes 10, 15 minutes. It's not a long practice, right? And people might want to do more than that, but that's that's a great way to start. It's just and habit forming is important. Like you, you really, I, I have a hard time not doing it now because it's become a habit. But there were times when I had to say, okay, you know, when it was new to me, when I was first starting, uh, when I was lived in the ashram, we were asked to commit to 15 months of daily practice every day, not, not miss a day, seven days a week of daily practice. And it was an hour and a half. You know, it was an hour of yoga and half an hour of meditation every day, every day. And uh, there were some days I did not want to get out of bed, you know, uh, particularly in the early stages. But then after a while, it was just it was just a thing that we did, um, and, and and it really helped. But it takes it takes a little focus in the early stages, yeah. And another thing I wanted to talk about was the state of equanimity. What a, what is like a, an equanim equanimable state or how does one stay you know not to get too rocked by everything around right so uh, equanimity is really not well understood a lot of people think it means like checking out and it's far from that it is not checking out in fact it's the exact opposite it's being really present being totally present right not checked out at all but it's being totally present with a state of being and a, and a felt sense that is secure in just being there and isn't rocked around by particularly thoughts or feelings or things that come at you that if you weren't in a state of equanimity would, equanimity would, would kind of have an impact. And so, for example, the best one is, and it's a quote from the Buddha, he said, uh, like a rock is not moved by the wind, I am not moved by praise or blame. Now that's an interesting quote, right? Praise or blame. Often if someone blames us for something, what's our natural response is to react, to defend, to like, no, I didn't do that. No, what are you talking about? You know, and get all <laughs> very upset about it, right? Yeah. Uh, and then when someone praises us, we get this really good feeling and we, you know, we, we get a little high on for a while and we feel like we're, we've really got it down, you know, and, and both of the, you know, there's nothing wrong with either, really. I mean, nothing wrong with, with, with reacting, reacting, it's a natural tendency or for, for getting off on praise, that's a natural thing. But the more you can just say, well, this is just what's happening now, right? What's happening now is someone's talking to me and they're calling me names or someone's talking to me and they're saying wonderful things about me. That's all that's happening, right? Someone's talking to me. Someone's saying something, yeah, and expressing an opinion. Why, what, what, if I, why would I want to take that as some kind of truth that defines me, right? I don't really need to do that. Uh, um, and so it's just learning to unhook from defining yourself by what other people think or say or do about you, right? It's getting unhooked. <laughs> and then you'll find equanimity. Yes. But it's hard to get unhooked, and I still get hooked. 
Unhooked, yes. Yeah, but it's okay when you do. Just notice when you do. When you get hooked, notice. Oh, yeah, that one got me. Okay, yeah. Just hooked, yeah. And, le and then let it go. Then let, let it, it go. go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and I want to ask about, like, the human body. We get to live here our whole life. <clears throat> so I, I reflect on this a lot. Like, we get... We are, we're always changing. We're a living organism that's doing, doing its best at all times to live. But the, the capacity to settle into the body is, I believe, one of the greatest gifts we can give our life because the more settled we are in, in this home, the easier it is for us to like, be in the world and be in conversation and, and get on with ourselves. Um, and it's... It's like, as Phoenix Rising has taught me, it's befriending my body, befriending my being, like shaking its hand to accept this is where I'll spend my life. I'll have the longest conversation of my life here. And, and once I, I understood that cognitively, and then it sunk into my heart, and I really haven't been the same since then, because it was like a, a big epiphany. I mean, I've seen glimpses, but like one day it just, boom. And if we could all understand, like, this, this deserves utmost respect where we, where we are, and then we can go from there. Instead of how we're conditioned to go to the external and try and make that um, fulfill or sustain internal. So that the flipped in the script of conditioning was uh, one of my greatest less learnings in yoga therapy school and soon as it flipped, it was like, oh, I, I can be my own buddy. Or I can, like, I don't have to be so hard up. Or I don't have to get so, you know, you can have compassion and grace here too, Kate. And just to understand that um, as a human being, I think it's one of the grandest gifts I was given. Yeah. Yeah. So I hear you that, you know, like you're saying your life changed when you began to appreciate and value your body. Yes. Yeah. And th this is a great, this is, that's a great testimonial. And, and I believe it's true that, and, and you also mentioned, which I really like, is the idea that until you can be comfortable in your own skin, you're not going to be comfortable in the world. And there's, yeah. there's real truth to that, right? You've got to get comfortable with you. And part of getting comfortable with you, in fact, the best way to get comfortable with you is to come home to your body, you know, because it's always in the present and it doesn't tell a lie, right? <laughs> yeah. So you get comfortable with that. You're comfortable with yourself as you are with all of your human failings. None of us are perfect. We all, we've all got stuff. We don't have the perfect body. We're, you know, we've got things that we've carried with us from other times in our life. Um, that can run us if we let them, right? And so if we can be present here now and use the body as a way of doing that, that's a great way to appreciate fully how wonderful this life is. This human life is a precious gift. And here I am right now in this moment, alive, in this body, breathing, talking to you, enjoying this wonderful moment. How precious is that, yeah? And, and I could be sitting here thinking about what I'm going to eat for dinner tonight. Well, now I am, as soon as I mentioned it. But. 
there it goes. There it goes. You know, yeah, there it goes. Uh, but but it's a, it's an example of you know like uh, can I can I really be here when I want to be here? Yeah, and and there's nothing wrong with thinking about dinner. There's nothing wrong with thinking about what happened yesterday. That's fine. It's just can you switch back and be here when you want to be here? Yeah. You know. And, and if you can do that and get comfortable with yourself in the present, wherever you are, then you're taking with you an incredible asset because you can take your body with you wherever you go, right? So you've, you're taking this gift that's bringing you back to the present and letting you be fully here. Um, and and uh, it, it's a great way, you know, it's just another way to navigate life rather than, you know, being pushed and pulled and dragged all over the place. Yeah. Truth. Well, I just <clears throat> want to thank you, and I want to ask how a listener is able to find out about Phoenix Rising Yoga Therapy. Um, yeah, just give a shout out to the beautiful yoga school you've created. Yeah, one of the things we're doing a couple of times a year now, the next one's coming up in, in the new year, just after, uh, before early spring, is we're offering a, an eight-week program for professionals, people who are already yoga professionals or mental health professionals of some kind, they can take an online um, eight, eight evenings a week. It is for, it's an evening a week for eight weeks plus a, a couple of Saturday mornings. Um, and they can do a course in uh, the basic principles of Phoenix Rising Yoga Therapy. We call it we call it the bridge program. It's bridge from body to soul. It's learning to use Phoenix Rising as a bridge from body to soul and how to use that with your, if you're a yoga professional, how you can do it there or yoga therapist or uh, a mental health professional. So that's one training coming up. And then I'm doing a lot more work these days with basically general public, general population and professionals. So I'm serving, serving two, two, two groups of people here because I want, I want the work that I do to be available to everyone. So I've created a, a platform through my, my personal website, michaelleyoga.com. Oh, by the way, the, the Phoenix Rising program is pryt.com for Phoenix Rising Yoga Therapy, pryt.com. There you'll find out about the professional training. And then on my website, michaelleyoga.com, all one word, uh, you'll find out about the things that I'm doing, including um, a subscription community where you can be part of a, a, a Let's Flourish community, where you can get individual sessions with me if you want to have me as your life mentor, as you have, Katie. Um, and also uh, uh, other, other short, I do webinars every, every month, usually seasonal seasonal webinar. For example, there's one uh, on the 21st of December for the solstice. There's one on the 21st of June for the solstice there, and then the equinoxes, and also uh, you know other other seasonal things like spring and 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 manifesting energy in the springtime, and then uh, you know in the fall the, the turning of the the seasons. So I, lo I love to tune in, and that's a, there's a monthly seasonal webinar that I offer. You can find out about them too. So. That's pretty much it, I think, and I, I do, yeah, thank you for letting me share that information, and uh, I can also be contacted personally, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, uh, Michael Lee, or Michael Lee 4646, uh, you might find me that way, so feel free to connect there too. Yes, and I just want to thank you from, from 
my heart um, for all that you've brought into my life. And now that we get to share it with a greater media, greater platform, and um, to, for bringing yoga therapy, you know, to the really a pioneer of yoga therapy in the West. Um, it's just exceptional to have you and your time here. So I just really appreciate you and um, can't say enough high regards for Phoenix Rising Yoga Therapy. It is, I believe, it is the greatest gift I've given myself. So thank you for creating it. Thank you. And I wish you well in your journeys and uh, all that you're doing. It's wonderful to see. And yes. uh, thank you for asking me to be here. I really enjoyed it. It's great to have a yeah. conversation with you. Yes, it's fun. We always have... We can always have great quality conversation. <laughs> so I'll wrap it up. And if you want to visit Michael's work, you can check the under the description of this podcast and it will have the links um, to his personal and to Phoenix Rising Yoga Therapy. Uh, you can feel free to reach out to him on social media. Um, but if you're interested in using your the wisdom of your body, to to therapize you to empower you really <clears throat> this is the person this is the school that i would highly highly recommend um it's made a great shift in my being since beginning and i i believe i'll just keep flourishing as i have onward and i wish that for all human beings in the world so that's why i have dear michael lee present today Thank you, Katie. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.